Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is shareable. Remember, if you like this episode, think about who else you know who would like it and share it. It might even start the conversation that changes the course of your life. All right, we're back with Shareable. My guest today is Owen, Owen McGab and Ahuo. And let me just tell you exactly why this episode is so shareable. It's because we are going to hear an entrepreneurial story from someone who has really taken an idea from the seed of something into a full-fledged business. And what we're also going to be talking about today is something that I think we all need to develop a deep understanding about if we're to grow our businesses or really scale any of the enterprises or ideas that we have, and that is process. Owen is a master of understanding how to identify document, and then implement processes across our work. So I think this is an episode really worth sharing because it's insightful, it is practical, it's got a really good and inspiring story. So for that reason, it's definitely shareable. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Cool, man. Well, I like to start out the show by asking people a deep and profound question, which is what is the dent you wish to make in the universe? What is the impact you want to make with your life? Well, so for where I'm from, um, back home uh, in Delta State, Nigeria, hopefully I will get to the point where from the very city where I'm from, be able to impact it uh, from a tech standpoint. So, you know, let's see how what I do here with Sweet Process goes. And hopefully in the future, we can, uh, you know, you think of uh, Silicon Valley, maybe I might create a Silicon Wafi. The, the town name is Wari. So who knows? Let's see where we go from here. That's awesome, man. And uh, and just in terms of making that sort of a dent and, help, and helping to create, you know, uh, a Silicon Valley, uh, what do you hope, what do you hope that does? Like, how do you, how do you envision that changing the world around you? So the thing with the Silicon Valley thing is that, you know, there is a network, there's an ecosystem of people all thinking alike and, you know, basically trying to uh, turn like these big visions into uh, reality, right? Especially from a tech standpoint. So that's kind of the same thing I'm trying to, you know, eventually when that time comes, do where, you know, first of all, right now there's kind of like an ecosystem that we build into WhatsApp and stuff like that. So we are like a bunch of us who are in tech, but all from the same town. We are all like in collaboration with, get, with each other right, right now, talking with each other. But that can go from just the network we have to actual, uh, you know, a reality of companies being formed, funding into a bunch of different ideas by people from the same town who are trying to build tech uh, companies as well like that. So yeah, so it, it's this, the seed is being planted and uh, we'll see where the seed uh, goes from there. But that's the uh, intention. Awesome, man. Well, I'm looking forward to unpacking that uh, dent you hope to make in the world uh, over the course of this episode with you. Uh, I do like to start out by giving some people that are listening some very tangible, practical takeaways like right away. And I call these the shareables. And it's just some recommendations that I have and I ask my guests for. So uh, if people were to stop listening to any episode after these, they would at least walk away with these shareables. But 
hoping that these shareables also entice them to continue listening through the, ep- the end of the episode. So the first shareable I want to ask you for is something that you would recommend that everyone read, something you've read lately, something you think is interesting, worth reading. What would you recommend people read? So a book that I would recommend people read is called The Goal, I think by Eliel. Um, the, the Goal is the, the title of the book. And the reason I would say that is because the focus of the book is more about continuous improvement. It's one of the things I'm going to cover in this uh, interview where, you know, you find the constraints in your business. So the theory of constraints. So there are different places where you have bottlenecks and being able to identify the bottlenecks, eliminate them, or if you can eliminate them, being able to, you know, uh, if it's something where people have to actually do the physical work for the, uh, for the, for the, for the task, being able to document procedures and processes for it. And eventually maybe one day you get to a point where you automate it, but it's all around uh, the theory of constraints and finding you know, the bottlenecks in the business. So that, that is a good book uh, I would recommend. I love it. I'm going to add it to my list. This, this is also uh, the shareables is a very selfish act for me. I love getting recommendations of new things to read. Um, so next thing is what is something that you've watched recently that you think people should watch? It could be anything. It could be something that was entertaining, something that was informative, something that uh, that made you laugh, made you cry. What's something people should watch? Um, so I'm into a lot of these uh, podcasts on, uh, on, you know, um, basically how you can make money through um what's it called uh airbnb it's, it's kind of interesting you know like you know uh you know what they do with you know not owning the property and basically uh rent rental arbitrage so that's come something interesting that i've been uh taking a look at so there's a bunch of them i, I don't want to name anyone specifically because all they got to do is just go on youtube and just type airbnb rental arbitrage and you're just going to get a lot of them that will show up and you know you find the one that you like all right, cool. It's an interesting one. All right, so on that note, uh, something that you think people should listen to. It could be an audiobook. It could be music. It could be a podcast. It could be, you know, uh, binaural beats. Like whatever it is that you think people should put in their ears. What do you think it should be? So a podcast that uh, that people should listen to is uh, Mixigi. Uh, obviously, they're listening to this already, but Mixigi from Andrew Warner. The reason is. Sweet process, which probably we'll talk about my company, actually started as a result of me going on to Mixergy. But the reason I'm suggesting Mixergy is uh, because the the, get, the the host Andrew Warner interviews a lot of uh, CEOs, you know, uh, who come on there to talk about their story of how they build their business and uh, basically gets into the nitty gritty of like you know how they grew the business and so on and so forth. So you can learn by you know listening to other people's journeys as well. That's great. I'm a big fan of that format of shows like um, how I built this with Guy Raz. And then uh, there's just so many episodes or or podcasts that are out there that I think do a really good job of talking with interesting people and unpacking their journey. And actually, it's one of the things that I think we're going to do today is is unpack your journey, how you got where you are, how you saw the problem and some of the steps along the way. Last shareable I want to ask you about, though, is something that you learned recently that was interesting and uh, you think people should go look into. You already gave me the arbitrage from Airbnb, so you got to give me a different one. So yes, the thing is that, you know, people don't talk about mental health that much, but it's a thing that, especially now, because of the fact that, you know, people just going through COVID and now potentially we're going through a recession, you know, staying at home. So there's so many things coming back to back to back on, on people. And, you know, uh, it's a thing that now we should all be paying attention to our mental health, because if the mental is not right, a lot of other things begin to uh, fall sh- through the cracks. And, you know, people need to start paying attention to that. Is there a place you'd recommend people go to start? Uh, like anywhere that, that you found is interesting or unique or, so or personally for me, 
one of the things that really helps me clear my mind is running, right? So I just, you know, run and I get my, uh, I, I do five miles at least four times a week. So when I do that running, I get this whole, uh, uh, I don't know the, the specific chemical that flows through the brain, but clears my brain, clears my head. Just So you just got to find what works for you. But if, for instance, working out is not your thing, you know, maybe you find some podcasts that, you know, uh, uh, that might help you with regards to, you know, mental health and all that stuff. But again, the whole goal is pay attention to all that stuff right now and uh, do what you got to do to cope and to overcome. Yeah. Love it, man. I also love the fact that you said do what works for you. I find there's a lot of people out there that try and be very prescriptive about what is the answer to good mental health, right? And a lot of people say, oh, it's exercise or it's cold showers or it's this or it's that. And it's like, no, everybody's different. Everybody's got different things that they need, that they gravitate towards. So I appreciate that you left that kind of open. And uh, and then as uh, a big advocate for people paying attention to their mental health and destigmatizing it. Uh, I'm a, I'm I'm really behind that answer. So thank you for that one. Yep. All right, man. So let's uh, let's start at the top. Uh, what what is it that you want to talk about today? The way I tend to think about this this show is that every person I get to talk to has something that they know about, something that they can share, that they can teach, that has practical, usable value, that is a story we can relate to. It's something that's shareable. What would you like to talk about today that you think uh, is worthy of people's time and attention? So imagine if the, I'm assuming now the listener who's listening to this is a busy entrepreneur that has a company, maybe you have some employees in there and you're finding out that there's a lot of things where you're becoming the bottleneck in the business and you're asking yourself, how do I grow and scale this company? But specifically, how do I pass on the knowledge of how work is done to my employees so they can carry it on and execute it. So I'm going to show, uh, tell the listeners the framework that they can use to document procedures and also get the employees to get involved in doing that as well. Got it. So contextualize it for us. What is it that you do now? How'd you get here? What, what, what's the thing that you're doing now? And kind of give us, if you could, like a little bit of like the origin story of how oh, this crazy. came about. Okay. So right now I'm the CEO and co-founder of Sweet Process, a software that makes it easy for employees and, uh, and, and their uh, managers, as well as employees on the ground and the owners of the company to collaborate together and create this uh, procedures and uh, processes showing how work is done. And on top of that, you can even assign work to the employees, right? So that's the the company uh, we're working on right now. But before this was started back, uh, this was started back in uh, the fourth quarter of 2013. But before it got started, I used to run an agency where I would provide entrepreneurs here in the US with uh, back office staff, like virtual assistant and so on and so forth, so they could do their work for them. So people would read like the four hour work week or the world is flat and you know automatically realize that, hey, it's not only the big companies can that can outsource work and get like thousands, you know, hundreds of seats of people, because that's what they used to think uh, like the phone companies and all that where you know the larger companies were the only ones that could do this but when these books came out small business owners understood that they could also do it as well and take advantage of outsourcing but the issues that we're running into when people will come to us to try to work with us was that uh they just thought they could just hire somebody in a different culture a different country different language or whatever and the person could just come in and start doing the work magically overnight so we had to go through a process of educating these small business owners that hey in order for them to do the work that you're currently doing there has to be that handoff of that knowledge and the way we got that knowledge handed off was by documenting procedures of that work so that the person on the ground can do the work but how did we do it back then uh we would get on skype because skype was the thing and i would have one of my managers say hey Show me a specific task that you're doing on a recurring basis. Walk us through the task. We'll record that conversation and then take that uh, docu uh, uh, video and then try to create a procedure for it. But the issue we were facing then was 
the actual documentation of the procedures. Uh, uh, we, we had issues in the sense that the tools that were available were either enterprise level tools or they were basically us hacking together a bunch of different tools that were not necessarily built for the purpose of documenting procedures. So in back of my mind, I was like, Maybe there has to be a better option for this. So I went on a podcast called uh, Mixergy, uh, Andrew Warner. So he brought me on there to teach entrepreneurs how to document procedures and uh, how to systematize their operations based on kind of what we're talking about today. And my co-founder, Jervis, all the way from, uh, um, what's it called, from from Australia, I don't know why I was blanking. So he listened to the call and he reached out to me and was like, "Dude, uh, he's trying to build out this this app." So he's a, he's a programmer and he was, you know, saying he was trying to build this app and he has this idea and he loved what I was talking about. So we had a conversation and lo and behold, he was trying to build an app that will make it easy for people to document procedures, so on and so forth. So I was like, "Dude, instead of me just giving you, uh, you know, my feedback or instructions on how to do this, why don't we just build this together?" And so he agreed. And so we said, okay, we'll start this journey to build this together. But in order to avoid the situation where we're running into where the app we end up building becomes feature bloated and as hard as the tools that we're finding issues with, why don't we spend some time talking to potential customers to understand what is the specific problems they're having with creating that single place, that single source of truth where employees can go and find the knowledge of how to do their work? What's what's What are the uh, things preventing them from being able to create this document? So we spent time doing about maybe 30 to 40 different calls with potential customers to understand the root issues. And then we took all the findings and then we went ahead to build the software. And that's how Sweet Process got started. Now we have over 2,000 uh, customers, uh, basically 2,000 companies using Sweet Process. The typical company has between 20 to 100 employees. And even higher than that, we have like uh, uh, government agencies using Sweet, using Sweet Process. We have uh, churches using Sweet Process, banks using Sweet Process, you know, even IT support companies. I mean, this is a bunch of different companies because the reality is that this whole thing of trying to scale your business if you have to depend uh, to a large extent on people doing work that is you know, recurring to deliver the results to your customers, you do need to have this knowledge somewhere. Otherwise, things is just going to not be going the way you, you, you want it to go. So what drew you to this whole world? So as you were talking about it, like the whole value proposition I make, it makes perfect sense to me. And I think you laid out really nicely why there's a need there and also where the opportunity was for people thinking this is only available to big businesses. So all that tracks for me and makes perfect sense. I'm really curious because I'm a process-driven thinker. Like I'm a systems thinker. I'm a strategist. I see patterns. I see connections between things. And I often think about documenting process, but but I also don't have the patience to always document process, but I can I can just blurt out what my process is. So I guess what I'm really curious about is there were several steps before this story came to pass where you saw the opportunity. And I'm curious about you, like you as a person, what drew you to this? Was it about seeing an opportunity to help people because they need it? Was it because you have a natural tendency to think about how things are built in a systemic way? Like, what, what did you want to be before all of this? So let like, me answer that question. about Yeah, like draw, you know, my, draw the my, line for me. So basically, uh, people might go to a restaurant, for instance, and enjoy the experience and all that and be talking about the food and all that. But the way my mind thinks is how did that experience get put together? I always think about the, the systems that made that happen. What's happening behind the kitchen to to create that food? What's happening, you know, to create that ambiance? Uh, you know, when I come in and they're, 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 they're reaching me in a special way. So I'm always thinking about systems. Like 
I like to actually sit down and watch like uh, food being manufactured or like a car, just see the what's going on behind this. So that's kind of the, the, the way I think more about the operations and kind of, you know, how things come together. So, hey, when, you know, this, the idea of this whole building a software around something I was actually trying to solve, but it was having issues with, with the whole tools I was hacking together to use came about, I was like, dude, first of all, software is much more scalable. And if we can build this based on, uh, you know, having these conversations first, then we know the end product is going to be something that's easier to use. That's awesome. I um, I I I wrote a post once about I was eating a sandwich and I was writing. I wrote a post about how it had eggs on it, right? And I was like, I was thinking about the eggs coming from the farm, and then I thought about there's bread, and the bread was made in a bakery somewhere, right? And then there was a cheese that maybe the cheese was from Wisconsin, so the cheese had to make it from Wisconsin over. And I thought this sandwich that's in my hand that was made locally in Philadelphia that I'm eating, it might have taken, you know, five minutes to prepare at the moment, actually took months and months and months to actually all come together. So I love thinking about how all of these pieces fit together. So. Um, I appreciate that that level of thinking about how all the the pieces kind of uh, come together. I guess where I want to go next on this is try to understand, try to paint for us um, what exactly did you see that was you know you talked to 30, 40 people to build this right mm-hmm. and there were some there were some frustrations, there were some conflicts, there were things that were not working. Like I just mentioned, I love process. I love documenting process as an idea, but I don't like actually doing it. So I'm curious, like what are some of the things that you saw were big issues? So you you mentioned the people listening right now, you're imagining entrepreneurs, they've got a business, they want to scale, they want to grow and they see themselves as the bottleneck. What are the things that you see most commonly are the problems that get in the way of people documenting their process and that being the inhibitor to scale? So first of all, it's not the most sexy thing to to do because as an entrepreneur, you're running your business. The most important, you know, excited thing might be, oh, how do I get more marketing get to get more customers? How do I do more sales to close more deals, right? But documenting procedures, which is critical, is not usually the thing that, you know, comes forefront. And then on top of that, uh, first of all, it takes energy and efforts to do that. And then on top of that, you know, it gets procrastinated because you might think, uh, first of all, not even knowing where to start. And then when you even decide where you want to start, how much detail do you have to put into it? So all this bottled all together and then thinking about it, is it only me that will have to do this, right? Is there, you know, is there a way I can get my employees to do this? All this stuff are just the issues that kind of prevent people from actually uh, uh, doing it. And another thing is, okay, then you finally decide that you want to actually do it what kind of software to use in terms of uh, ease of use? Because if the software is not easy to use, then guess what? Employees would not even uh, uh, use it. So these are the kind of things that uh, you know we discovered when we we're having all these conversations. If you want, I can tell the listener a framework for how they can use to yes, document procedures quickly. Okay, so- yeah, hook it up. So here's the thing. So first of all, you are in this state where you know that you need to have procedures in place. You already know the value of it. So how do you determine uh, what task to first document? So I will look at all, you know, just take a look at the work you've been doing on a recurring basis for like maybe the last uh, week, two weeks, whatever, and, and say, okay, which of these tasks should I eliminate? Because I don't want you to start documenting everything immediately because we all have this thing of tribal knowledge of how we've done everything, uh, how, how we do things here. But the last thing I want you to do is uh, just start documenting everything. I want you to look at what you need to eliminate. If you don't need to keep doing this very, very task, 
there's no need to document it. Now you're left with the required uh, recurring tasks that you're doing, right? So now let's break that required recurring tasks into two different parts. The first is the income generating tasks, basically the sales and marketing, you know, exciting stuff. And the other one is the production stuff, the, the, the things you have to do to deliver what you promise to your customers. Now, people might be excited to want to start documenting those uh, income generating tasks, right? Because obviously if you document how you do sales or how you do your marketing, then maybe you can get more people to come in to do those tasks the way you do it so that you can bring in more customers. But I say hold off on that because if you have bottlenecks on the production side, you're just going to get more customers in who are going to be more angry, right? So let's fix the, the, the bottlenecks on the uh, uh, production side. So now that's what we focus first from the documentation standpoint. How do I identify the, the biggest bottleneck to start with, right? Let's look at what is that task that every time it comes up, you're just really tired. Like, oh man, people keep asking you over and over again, how do you do it? And you're like, I wish there was one way, there's some way they could go find the information or maybe the information is scattered everywhere and people are spending so much time trying to look for it. So you've identified that biggest bottleneck. How do you document it? I'll say at the time you're about to do the work, that's the best time. So now if you're working on this task, that's maybe as a, a 10 step task at the time you're about to do the work. The first thing you should do is document what I call a minimum viable procedure, which is just a fancy way of saying a procedure that just has the title of the procedure and the title of each of the step. And the title should just be something where if someone sees the title in that department, whatever, they will know exactly what they can accomplish. But now when you're documenting this uh, minimum viable procedure, all you're going to have at the end, as you're working on the task will be a procedure that has a the title and the title of the 10 steps. How do you go from that to something that's fully fleshed out? You have to now give this procedure you just documented to your managers or your employees on the ground saying, the next time you are about to do the task, just make sure that you go through this outline I have and enter in some details. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be uh, an encyclopedia, right? With all the details, just some minimum information in there into each of the steps. And it could be uh, text. It could be a screenshot or a short video, just something, right? But most important, you need to install in your in the minds of your 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 employees, your managers as well. That when we are doing this, this is going to be a, 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 a basically a continuous improvement where we are giving ourselves the permission that we're starting from version zero and as we go ahead, we're going to keep improving each version. So now they start doing the work. They start entering some information into that uh, outline that you've created. Now you are able to go and look at that outline and say, okay, uh, I like what I see. You go ahead and approve it. The next time they are doing some work again, they do uh, with, for that very task. They look at the uh, the, the new uh, the procedure that obviously has some more details in it because the last time they put some things in there and, and you approved it. Now they go ahead and make some updates to it. So what's happening is over time, that document that starts from an outline gets some flesh into it. And as they are working on tasks, they might come across new insights, things that they didn't, uh, wasn't accounted for, uh, encountered for in, in the documents initially, you can go ahead and add stuff in there. So I've just show you how to do the first one. Now you go ahead and identify the next uh, bottleneck on your production side. You do the same dance, you know, documenting outline and so on and so forth. Eventually you would now have a lot of all the uh, tasks on the production side documented, right? Because you're collaborating with your employees to get this done. Now you can start looking at some of these income generating tasks. 
to do to start doing the same thing and documenting them. And then eventually you can get more employees to come in and take over those, knowing that the employees can follow the instructions to get this task done. And knowing that on this other hand, uh, production won't be an issue because you've documented a lot of these production related uh, tasks that, you know, if you need to go and bring in more employees, you can bring in more employees that can follow the instructions and onboard it even gets done faster. I would even say you can go as much as even document a procedure on how you document procedures. So, so for instance, like you, you can have a document showing how you want to see each step labeled, how you want content, just some guideline that they can follow so that as they're documenting procedures, they can go ahead and uh, uh, follow that guide to, to get it done. Now, someone might say they might not have enough time or their employees might not have enough time. Well, there's a third option. There's uh, people called process consultants, right? Their job is to come into companies look at what they have in place, help them eliminate things that they don't need to have uh, uh, documented, whatever. And they go through this whole dance and document the procedures for them. Uh, and 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 you, obviously this is might be more expensive because you're paying for a consultant uh, to do the work. But what I'm saying is right now you have the framework that you can use with your employees or with, uh, a, a, what's it called, a process consultant. Another thing you can do is you can even incentivize your employees and say, hey, I'll pay you for the extra time that you use to actually do this so that they don't ever say, oh, it's taking me from doing my work. If they also are getting paid and incentivized to help you document and improve your procedures, well, now they can actually do it because you're paying them extra to do it. But the benefits for you is that, you know, for those tasks that you, you have to have human beings do, now you are creating this uh, repository of instructions on how the work is done. Oh man, you just brought up so many good things and and I have I have a bunch of things I want to touch on here. So, I think one the model that you just provided, the framework of kind of capturing it as you're doing it really helps to address one of the problems of the I'll just do it myself issue. So like when you have the bottleneck, a lot of times that comes from a manager or a, a, a subject matter expert who says it's just easier and faster for me to do it than it is for me to document it. And the underlying problem there is a, is a problem with trust, which is that if I document it, I give it to somebody else, then can I trust them to do it? But I think there's another issue here that we have to kind of unpack and explore, which is that whenever we get into conversations around policies or procedures, and I'm really curious how you address this. I know how I address it, but curious how you address it, which is whenever you're in the conversation around policies and procedures, especially when we're talking about creative work of some sort, there's the idea that you are potentially documenting the process to such an extent where you remove the possibility for creativity or for innovation, that essentially you are documenting and, and removing the option for people to do it a better way because now it's documented, now it's a process. How do you address that when, you know, I because I see that could potentially be a resistance to people even getting started. Oh, well, if we do that, then... You yeah, know, you're, you're, you're basically making robots. And let me address that. Yeah. I like that question because people make the argument that, oh, these things stifle creativity, but I'm making the argument that that's not the case. It actually encourages creativity. So let me make that argument for you. So what kind of company would you want to work in? The one where you are encouraged to influence how your work is done because you are doing the work every day and they're empowering you to come in there and make the changes to and making the change basically improving how the work is done. That is a culture where they are telling you, we want to hear from you. We want you to be part of this. That is the culture that they're accepting you. Now, not only that, let's now say you're doing 
a task that maybe you do it like uh, every three months, but the, the last three months uh, ago that you did it, uh, you knew you had to spend time to remember how the work is done because you didn't have all the information in front of you or you had it scattered everywhere in your company. You had to ask this person, that person, how you do it. Now, three months later, it's the same dance again. Now you're spending mind cycle, brain cycles, trying to figure out, get the information for how the work is done. You're not actually doing the work. Now you get all the information. Now you want to start doing work. Now you've not only wasted time. On top of that, now we have people not working in the same place, right? Uh, they're working remotely. So that ability to gather information or where you could just go to your your employee, your, your, your colleague and ask is even harder because they're working from home too. So all this stuff put together. Now imagine this other situation where you have these documents already in one place, like for instance, like a software like sweep process, you go in there, you're about to work in the task, you type the title of the task, you see the documents right there, uh, and you start working on tasks. Now, you don't have to spend any brain cycles trying to remember how the work is done or trying to gather stuff. It's literally right there. You start doing the work. A lot of the insight comes when you're doing the work. A lot of the insights for improvement comes for when you're doing the work. So if you're not spending time trying to think or gather the information on how to do work, you're actually doing the work, your mind now begins to see, hey, I'm doing this very, very task right now. It has 10 steps. Perhaps there's a better way for us to do something. Maybe, perhaps there's a way we can automate these steps. Your mind, while you're doing the work, is, is you have more time to spend on thinking of better ways to improve the work, right? To me, that is creativity. Now, if you're using a software like Sweet Process, you have the ability to not only have the instructions, but also carry out tasks. So while you're carrying out the tasks, the instructions is right there in front of you and employees can never say, I don't know how to do the work. So if, let's say your employee gets this insight. Oh, like instead of this 10 step, we, we, can, we can eliminate two steps because I just found a new way to do things. With a click of a button, they can pass the information back to you. You can approve after reviewing what they just said, click another button, and then that task they're working on is improved with the new uh, version of the uh outline or how to do the work, right? And so that to me, that is creativity. Constant improvement, making changes to make it better. That is creativity. I love that the underlying piece here is about continuous improvement. And I and I think something that I want to highlight is so important in what you're saying is you mentioned the word culture. Because I think for this to really truly be successful, you have to have an environment where people don't feel like they are documenting the process of their job and they're documenting themselves out of a job, right? Like I'm going to tell you all the ways that I do my thing and then you're going to fire me and hire someone cheaper, right? Like you need to have the kind of culture where people see that their contributions to that process is one so that there can be some support if they want to take a vacation or if somebody else has to step in where they're able to contribute their time and talents and be rewarded and acknowledged for those contributions and where the person who's quote unquote at the top of the organization has put their ego aside and is allowing people to contribute their time and talent and update a process they may have come up with. So, so much of the success of this, I think one, you're, you, you obviously you have a, um, a vested interest in, in the technology side of it as you're building it. Right. But I think so much of what you're saying for it to work also relies on the cultural and leadership aspects of creating a place where people realize that these tools are going to give them the freedom to operate within the constraints of the things they don't need to rethink every time. So let me let me let me share a way in which the listeners can uh, two things. If a listener is listening to this and feeling like, oh, I'm going to give my my employer all this information on how to do work so they can fire me, well, that's it's like glass half full. Either you think it's half full or it's you know half empty, but 
perhaps think of it a different way. If you are able to help with for uh, documenting how the work is done for your role, that also allows you to be able to explore new roles within the company because now you can get your replacement and bump up to the next level, the next new opportunity uh, within a company. Let's say you start out as in the sales department, but you start out as a, 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 a sales development rep, SDR, right? And so you're the one doing the appointments and, and calling people and setting appointments. And now you've helped to document how you do that stuff. Now, the next opportunity might be, you might be the closer, the person who is actually doing the, 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 the demos of the software and actually closing deals. But you see how you've you've leveled up and at the same time provide that value so that the employer can get somebody to replace you. But now you've created time so that you can level up to the next role. But now on the side of the employer, how do you easily make this culture a thing? So one, one of my customers actually said this to me. is like every time somebody comes and asks him or a manager a question, how do I do this? The first answer is, have you checked sweet process? Over time, People get asked that they ask that question and the answer is, have you checked sweet process? That's what what was that doing to them uh, consciously and subconsciously? Hey, I'm not going to ask my manager for how to do something without checking sweet process. And then they go in there and they check. They see the answer. Well, they don't need to bother the manager. The manager doesn't spend any time asking answering questions that is waste of the time. They don't they don't observe enough, uh, spending time asking questions that the answer is already there. They get to start doing work. And now when they go and check sweep process, they don't see the answer. That also is a trigger now for the manager to add something that wasn't there before because people are searching for stuff and they're not finding the answer. And again, this now is an opportunity for them to discover something new to create a, a document for, right? So that's the way, like I, I said, the, the mindset from the employee, how to think about stuff. It allows you to grow to the next level because now you find your replacement, you can find the next role. And I've also said from the manager, from the uh, uh, employer side, how to imbibe this culture in, in into the company. So we're, we're, we're approaching the point where I want to, I want to shift to talking about the transformation that this sort of thinking causes, right? So we've kind of laid out a case for how to do it a bit. You've laid out really nicely, I think, a framework. And we've talked a little bit about um, you know, the process that you go through for that and also some of the pitfalls and some of the things you want to keep in mind. But let's imagine that everything went according to plan. And and I know you probably have some case studies and people that you've worked with like this, but you know, what what is the what is the ultimate reason behind this? When you get to the other side of this and you have your processes documented and you have an environment where people are trusted to contribute and you have this kind of living organism of of an organization where people are contributing to these processes being documented, what does that actually cause? Like what what is the output of that that people are leading up to and doing that other than just having a bunch of documentation? What's so the, what's the transformation? So there are many transformations, but let me talk about the one that comes top of mind. Eventually, a lot of people who are running a business, they most likely are thinking that maybe eventually they might want to sell, right? And uh, an exit uh, opportunity. But then look at it from the perspective of the buyer. If you're a buyer buying two of the same businesses, right? Uh, let's say, let me make it more concrete. You have a, a IT support business where they do outsource IT for their clients. So they take care of their clients' IT, uh, you know, related needs. And you are this VC, uh, you know, a private equity company that buys companies in that vertical. And you're looking at two of the same companies. They have almost the same exact in, in most things. But then you're looking at how is the business run? This one depends primarily on the the you know the, the the owner of the company and his managers to get things done and there's a lot of chaos because they don't have uh these documents in place but this other one everything they do 
is documented. It's kind of like a well-oiled machine where everything can easily add new employees when they need to uh, add new employees. They can scale up, scale, scale down. Everything is documented. Which one will you add? Uh, give uh, offer a higher offer for? Obviously, it's the one that has uh, you know uh, the documentation in place. So, from a monetary standpoint, having those things uh, document procedures in place actually adds value to it. But also from uh, you know a uh, uh, wellness of life standpoint you, you want to go and uh you know spend time do other things as the owner of the business have some freedom right but if you can't do that because you know when you leave the chaos is going to be there because people don't they literally counting on you to 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 get stuff done how are you going to you know go on this vacation or these things that you need to do how are you going to grow the business to the next level when you know that if you try to do that uh the, the things you have in place uh would not be able to, to, to take care of that growth so all these are just a bunch of different reasons why you should, uh, you know, invest. I don't say take the time, but invest the time with your employees to do this. Help them think of this the right way and uh, imbibe the culture that's necessary to start doing this in your company. So is that what you would say is sort of like the clear takeaway from our conversation today is that what would you say is the clear takeaway from our conversation today? If you had one thing you wanted people to walk away from this episode, having learned, having understood, having really crystallized in their mind, what would you say that thing is? The one thing I would say, because this is the foundation for everything, is figure out a way to install this mindset of continuous improvement in everybody's in the company, including yours. Because without this uh, uh, interest in continuously improving stuff, you would not be able to do this. So that's the first starting uh, starting point. Get everybody bought in on this uh, continuous improvement. And if you need to uh, incentivize it by, you know, paying them extra or whatever to do that, uh, I, I, you know, do whatever you can to get that. And then once that is done, start identifying, follow the framework. Like I said, find, find those tasks and start the documentation dance. Love it. Love it. Well, I like to end the episode um, on on a note of gratitude. I think it's a great way to to send out uh, the episode. I want to just first thank you for coming on and, and sharing your expertise. Um, and I'll give you a chance to, um, uh, before we get into the gratitude, I want to give you a chance to just talk about where people can connect with you, where they can learn more. I know you have a, um, a special offer for people if they want to go check it out. Uh, but let's, let's start there. Tell people where they can go and connect with you. And then we're going to end on a, a note of gratitude. So tell people where they can find you and learn more. Okay. So the easiest way to find me is just go on LinkedIn and just type my name. I, as long as you have a, a picture to your profile, LinkedIn, I usually accept all connection requests. Okay. Now the thing is you've learned the framework on how to document procedures and all that. You've learned the story about sweet process. Obviously you're now interested in probably signing up for a trial. So here's the thing. I'm going to give you an extended trial Instead of the default 14-day trial, just because you've listened all the way to this point of this interview, you can get an extended trial of 28 days. And you can do that by going to sweetprocess.com forward slash shareable podcast. So we're using the podcast uh, that you're listening to, the name. So go to sweet process or sweet like candy, process like process forward slash shareable podcast. And yes. you'll be able to get access to the extended trial. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put that in the show notes and uh, make it nice and easy for people to connect with you on LinkedIn, make it easy for people to go and grab uh, that that uh, extended trial. So here's where I like to end on the gratitude thing is that um, I want you to think of someone when I say the, the words lovable leader. So a leader that you've had in your life, someone who cared about your progress and your growth, someone that you trusted someone that made it safe for you to pursue big goals and really inspired you, encouraged you, and was there for you as a leader. 
And what I want to do at this stage of the show is I want you to just, I'm going to mute my mic and I want you to speak directly to that person and in as little or in as much detail as you'd like to go, just thank them for the contribution that they made in your life. Show the gratitude to the lovable leader in your life who helped you to become the person you are today. So I'll make it two people. The first that comes to mind is my mom, because I'm going to thank you for, you know, giving me this, you know, she, you know, you have this heart of caring for people. And I know that I tend to be selfish, but because I see your example of you know, caring for people, I always have to ask myself, what will my mom do? How will she react to this? And that helps me, you know, try to be more, uh, you know, thoughtful and, and, and care more and be less selfish. And for my, my, the other person is my dad. I saw how, you know, you, you came from a background that was not uh, well-to-do or whatever, and how you, all the way back in Nigeria, built yourself, uh, you know, a, a legacy and a big, you know, company and all that stuff and became wealthy. So that showed me uh, the whole thing of you can actually do whatever your mind, you put your mind to, no matter what the challenges are. So for me, these two people are like my foundation on on, on, on everything. And for my for my dad's experience, I'm, I look at challenges that say, hey, yes, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But if he can do it, and with all the stories of how he told me, you know, growing up and everything, and he can do and, and, and make himself successful with all the challenges, I can also do it as well. Yes, the challenges are going to be tough, but I can remain, lean on his stories that he told me to, to get my next milestone. I want to thank my guests for coming on to Shareable to share their experience and their wisdom. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for coming back and giving us the gift of your attention. There are two questions that everyone asks themselves before sharing a piece of content. One, what does sharing this content say about me? And two, will my friends, peers, or colleagues enjoy it? Think about those questions, and if you like the answer, please consider sharing this episode on your social media or send it to someone you think would enjoy it. Remember that together, we can change the world. It starts with what we give our attention to, what we share and spread, and what we collectively work toward. Now, more than ever, we need leaders who care, who work to build trust, and who stand for creating safety. I believe that is the key to creating a kinder, safer, and more equitable world. And if you ask me, that's an idea worth sharing. So between that and the generosity of my amazing guest, I guess the best way to describe this episode would be shareable. So tell me. What was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message using the link in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Don't miss out on my other podcast, Becoming Superhuman, which is also available as an email newsletter. Get it all at jgibbard.com. If you're looking for a book to read, may I kindly suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. Available online wherever books are sold. And finally, if you're interested in working with me, whether it's hiring me to speak or train your organization or strategic consulting and coaching, all of that information can be found at jgibbard.com. All links can be found at the bottom of the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and please share this episode with someone who will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.